Reading in Church, a proud partner with Audible.com. Previously on Reading in Church and Other Distractions. So talk again, and I'm going to go to the New Testament and see what Jesus uses in the Sermon on the Mount. Okay. All right. So talk amongst myself. Talk amongst yourself. I'll give you a topic. Is a machine gun a robot? Yeah. Now explain why I did that real quick. I mean, because that's funny. Oh, yeah. I have this habit of uh, if I'm going to or leaving a class and I see another class unattended, (laughs) I will walk into the room and I say, is this professor? And then I pause and they usually fill in the name. It's like Smith. Yes. Professor Smith. He wanted me to get you going with some group discussion. <laughs> and I have a handful of crazy topics like, is uh, he wanted you to discuss, don't ask me why, is a machine gun a robot? Or, And then you just leave. And then, right? I leave. <laughs> yeah. and then if, I pa- I pass, if I pass the professor on the way to the class, I go, I got him going with some, <laughs> with some group work. <laughs> I'm actually kind of glad you brought this up. I told someone this week that you did this, that, that this, you would actually do this. In the classroom or in elevators, oh, you know, when the el- elevator door elevator, would shut. Yeah, it's like yeah, elevator topics. How about that internet? Am I right? <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Reading in Church and Other Distractions with Rob and Mike. Welcome back to Reading in Church and Other Distractions. I am Robert Wallace. And I am Michael McKeever. And these are the readings for the fourth Sunday in Lent of Year C, March 31st, 2019. So we have Joshua 5, 9 to 12, which is an interesting way to truncate that. Uh, Psalm 32, uh, one of the seven penitential psalms. Uh, 2 Corinthians 5, 16 to 21. And then Luke 15, 1 to 3, and 11b through 32. So we want to leave out the other parables there. I think we did the other parables in another year. So That's possible. Yeah. That's possible. Uh, so hope that you will like us on Facebook at Reading in Church. Hope that you will follow us on Twitter at Reading in Church. You can send us questions there, or you can send us a question to readinginchurch at gmail.com. Those are all of our major yep. social media things that we're doing. So I just got back from Illinois yesterday after a, a weekend of musical fun. Mm-hmm. Um, Thomas was uh, Horace Vandergelder and Hello Dolly, and it all went off like a dream it was perfect um, Great. it uh the shows i think the shows got uh i think friday night was a very good show saturday night was a pretty good show and then sunday was a very good show they all seemed to have a little more energy on sunday a little more relaxed and um they were at, i was correct they were submitting to the illinois high school theater association and those representatives i believe were there friday um, and then there was, I think, some rumor that some of them might have been there Saturday. All they were sure was that Sunday there was no pressure on for the hmm. performance. As a result, oh. it was a much more relaxed performance. Yeah, that is so funny how that works. <laughs> but uh, but it all went very well. Thomas was very consistent, very funny. Uh, his comedic timing was great. And as a father, I would never have been prouder. So. Yeah, sure. So they did did very well. Well, great. Did very well. Yeah, so so awesome. you were busy painting, right? I'm, I'm doing a lot of painting. That's why, uh, that's why I'm wearing a hat. Yeah. I dug my uh, painting overalls out of a uh, cedar chest up in the, up in the attic. Yeah. And uh, this, this Berkeley hat was there. And it's like, turns <laughs> out I've done so much painting and so little grooming came in handy. I obviously yeah, don't wear this when I paint because it doesn't, it's... Yeah, I was going to say, it has no paint on it. I couldn't very, believe that would actually good be a condition. painting hat. Yeah. It's a nice hat. Yeah. Yeah. So... Representing today. Yeah. So. We got to have this. I've, I've been wearing a Chicago Cubs hat most of the time. When, yeah, when I, The few times I wear a hat. Spring is here. It, and It's hard for me to find hats that are big enough. Yes. Well... I would say for your head, but really it's your hair that causes the problem. It's actually it? both. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, one of my sources of great embarrassment was that I had the largest head in my graduating class of 750 mm. and all the other guys had a normal mortarboard and mine had the elastic like the girls. Uh, it was the only one <laughs> oh. that would fit my head. Okay. It was a, it's a little, little hard. That was hard to handle. I'm not going to lie. Did you always have a big head and did you grow I, into it? My, my mother told me that. My exact, my, the exact, my, this is my own mother who told me I was an ugly baby in that my head was too big. <laughs> so, and as a child, I looked like one of the Peanuts gang. Yeah. My, my wife says E.T., but yes, Peanuts is probably closer. So, yeah, it, uh, 
it's it's i got better i i grew into it you know but uh, yeah <laughs> that anyway. helps <laughs> so any therapist who might be listening my number uh-huh. is no never mind never uh-huh. find out that yeah. never find out that so I never thought about right. it until I had to start wearing hats. And then it's like, <laughs> really? I got a big head? Really? <laughs> uh, well, are you ready to do this? I'm ready to do this. Sure, sure. Let's start with Joshua. Joshua. I yeah, probably says, as for me and my house, I didn't really look at no, it. That, no, no, it doesn't. That's not oh, it. Okay. There's more? All right. All right. Well, I'll read what's here. The Lord said to Joshua, today I've rolled away from you the disgrace of Egypt. And so that place is called Gilgal to this day. You might have noticed we came in at the end of a story. Right. right. And so. And, <laughs> the big finish. Long story short. <laughs> right. Exactly. For me and my house. While the Israelites were camped in Gilgal, they kept the Passover in the evening on the 14th day of the month in the plains of Jericho. On the day after the Passover, on the very day, on that, on that very day, they ate the yeah. produce of the land, unleavened cakes and parched grain. The manna ceased on that day. They ate the produce of the land, and the Israelites no longer had manna. They ate the crops of the land of Canaan that year. Hmm. That's it. Yeah. Okay. So the end of the the moment of the end of the wandering here. Hmm. Um, the, okay. the manna has ceased. Uh, but what we have missed, well, I will say not what we haven't missed. They, they are celebrating Passover for the first time in a very long time. Um. And what's odd about this passage, the beginning of this passage has, a, and it's translated sort of oddly in most Bibles, um, when God says to Joshua, uh, circumcise the Israelites a second time, is Ooh, the way most what? most Bibles have that translated. Wow, wow. that's, so, that's uh, admirable. That's not, a, <laughs> <laughs> that's not the kind of thing you usually think of doing more than once. And, uh, so spiritual. And what is... <laughs> What is probably meant there is not, this is one of those times translations getting in the way. I don't think it means a second time. I think it means start circumcising again. Mm-hmm. I think that. Yeah. that no, that's that what they, the liber- how the liberal scholars interpret it. That, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'll, t- I'll wear that mantle for this interpretation. <laughs> and all Jews. I promise. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's that they hadn't been doing circumcision during the wandering in the wilderness and now we're going to start the process of practice of circumcising again. Okay. And, and I think one of the reasons is, according to Exodus, um, I think it's in Exodus 14, you're not allowed to participate in Passover unless you have been circumcised. Uh. And so to, to have, for this to be the first taking of the group of Passover, this is why you know, there's, a, there's this need for this mass circumcision of those who were wandering in the wilderness. Hmm. And so... They're they're camped at Gilgal, and while the, the line before this, you know, while they're healing, um, they they take over. They, they this is not the same day, right? It's like the worst <laughs> Passover ever. It's not a great Passover. Um, the Passovers only get better from here, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, the Gilgal, uh, the the root of the word Galal that that comes from means to roll, mm-hmm. and so that's the pun there. I've rolled away the disgrace of Egypt. So yeah, we call it some Gilgal. manuscripts have pause for effect. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, pause it's for a, laughter. They're big. They're big on puns, and we miss most Rim all shot. of them. Yeah, exactly. So it is, you know, the official ending of the of the wilderness wandering. We're getting ready to go into the land to take. Uh, Jericho in the next bit, uh, and all this preparation that was happening with the, uh, <laughs> I didn't do the, the circumcision. Also, they named the place that they did that, the mound of the foreskins, which is a great Gee, name for, was, a, for a site. But, um, you know, you know, the holidays come, there's a lot of work to get ready, a lot uh, of work to get ready. Whiz. And, and wow. this is a big one. So, <laughs> Uh, it's probably best if you didn't make any comments. Yeah, on you this don't. Text. Yeah, you don't. You don't leave those decorations up too long. <laughs> no, no. Uh, he says, Having, celebrating the fact that today is the day he took down his Christmas lights. Today is the day, as on the calendar, March nineteenth. You know. Uh, well, you know, technically before spring. Yeah, so yeah, got it in early this year. You got it. You still took the lights down in the winter. So it that's, was that's relatively true. warm out, so I went out there. That's so funny. Well, I thought we were going to avoid weather, but we couldn't avoid the weather. So uh, it's, a, it's a little brief section here, obviously. This is just an excerpt. I'm not, I mean, it's, 100% sure 
me, me thematically. Neither. Me neither. What this one's about. <laughs> well, they left out. You see why they left out that passage. It's it's just, you know, keeping mm-hmm. the Passover and the, the, the wilderness wandering is over. God's provision. So I um, have rolled away from you. The disgrace of Egypt is an allusion to circumcision. Mm, or uh pr- oh that's a good question um, yeah uh, uh maybe yeah okay. maybe the fact yeah. that that the uh they weren't circumcised um, in the wilderness or something i don't know maybe i i don't know i mean mm. i don't know that that it was thinking about that as literally as re-celebrating exodus is the only way i ever thought of it okay. i never connected okay. it to yeah 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 that makes sense I, did, the, so many uh, of the other they're texts observing passover you know i did the New Testament texts seem to be all be all about reconciliation, so I wasn't sure. And so does the Psalm, actually. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, but <laughs> so maybe we should go there. <laughs> but it's not as the yeah right exactly. But it's not as though the circum that that the in fact the generation that wasn't circumcised is the generation that shows faith as opposed to the previous generation that came out of Egypt. Hmm. So I, I don't okay. think of you know the fact that they weren't circumcised as a disgrace. I don't think the text okay. sees it that yeah. way either. So okay. I would hmm. simply think of it as, as uh, you know, because you were slaves in Egypt kind of idea. Okay. Um, maybe. I mean, that's, that's a yeah. good question. So few verses, so many landmines to step yeah, up. Yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> Particularly when you do a podcast with a person who is filter challenged. <laughs> you know, it's good I didn't read it before. It is. It yeah. is. Well, that's because you didn't read the b- section before this. Yeah, I didn't read any of they, it. They managed to hide that. Yeah, but but it seemed important to because uh-huh. we did jump into the middle of a story here. Uh-huh. Yep. So and the manna stopped. So and the manna stopped. So yep. had enough of that. Yep. The official wander wandering is officially over now. Interesting. So, yeah. No more manna. Wow. All right. Well, I yeah. I remember. I mean, I'm. I'm I remember reading this section of Joshua, but this is not the part that stood out to me. So, right, right. Yeah. Well, well everybody's anxious to get to the Jericho part, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. All right. How about I uh, take a run at Psalm 32 here? I think that's a good plan. All right. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Happy are those to whom the Lord imputes no iniquity, and in whose spirit there is no deceit. While I kept silence, my body wasted away, through my groaning all day long. For day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was dried up as by the heat of summer. So much dry. David is so dramatic. He's just dramatic. Then I acknowledged my sin to you, and I did not hide my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord, and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Therefore, let all who are faithful offer prayer to you. At a time of distress, the rush of mighty water shall not reach you. You are a hiding place for me. You preserve me from trouble. You surround me with glad cries of deliverance. I will instruct you and teach you the way you should go. I will counsel you with my eye upon you. Do not. Be like a horse or a mule. I thought we've done this one. Do not be like a horse or a mule without understanding whose temper must be curbed with bit and bridle, else it will not stay near you. Many are the torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Be glad in the Lord and rejoice, O righteous, and shout for joy, all you upright in heart, and do not be like a horse or a mule. Don't be like a horse or a mule. It's a bad idea. That could be a scribal repetition at the end there. Yeah, this is one of... Yes, in this case, it was. Take away, yeah. yeah. Um, the, this is one of the seven penitential psalms that are that are read, and there aren't a lot of penitential... You know, we typically think of the... I mean, that's, that's kind of looking at the world through our Protestant post-Luther lenses that, mm-hmm. you know, sin, obviously, and repentance is going to be a major focus, and it's not particularly a major focus in the psalms. Mm-hmm. There are a few, and we revisit those a lot, you know, the Psalm 51s and uh-huh. the, Psalm 32, but uh, but you don't get that. That's not a major theme. No one thinks the center of the Psalms is repentance or or sin. It's it's refuge or kingship, but uh-huh. not not repentance. Okay. So this is an unusual, not say unusual, but a rarer um, emphasis of the Psalms. Uh, happy Ashrei. We we get that word a lot. Mm-hmm. Ashrei is the first word in Psalm one. You see it. It's obviously the Beatitudes in Makaroi in uh, in Greek. I can't speak for the Greek translation, but I will say that in Hebrew. Happy or blessed are usually the two options, and both of those fall short in English. I think the best 
way to think of that word is it's the emotion that comes when an individual is certain that God is near them in their life. Okay. So God has intervened into my trouble. That is the feeling I have. So even if the trouble is continued, the notion that God is still there, Okay. that, that emotion. So I don't know. Contentment is not strong enough. Happy. It might be the wrong way to go because hmm. you know, a person who is suffering can still feel ashray mm-hmm. if they know that God is near and they're not happy, you know, so I don't... How about and, blessed assurance? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Is that too old yes. school? But it uh, might be a little, little old school there, uh, yeah. you crazy linguistic guy, yeah. you. Right. Um, but anyway, that it's, 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 a, it's emotion that comes from knowing that God, has, God is present and in, in, in you've not been abandoned, mm-hmm. I guess is the best way. Okay. Um, one thing that is interesting, and I, I thank Clint McCann from, for this. Uh, Clint McCann is a, a good psalm scholar. Um, verse 3, when I kept in silence, my body wasted away and through groaning all day long, um, and my strength dried up by the heat of the summer. He, he was uh, emphasizing that, that one thing that too often, particularly Protestants, which was his audience, do is they spiritualize sin without recognizing there are often real world physical consequences for sin and not in the sense that it affects others, but in the sense of unconfessed sin, literally making an individual sick, Oh, mm-hmm. uh, shame or depression mm-hmm. or, you know, there's physical yeah. manifestations yeah. of, of right. holding this, you know, unrepentant life together. Yeah. And, and this is a Psalm that, that when the person confesses the guilt of sin, um, God surrounds them with glad cries of deliverance. Um, in fact, and, God and is the, rehydrates them. Yes, yes, true, uh-huh. true. A rush of mighty waters that doesn't reach them. No, the rush of mighty waters no, doesn't. But his reach strength them. is dried up by the heat of summer. Well, that's true. Oh. That's true. So he gets rehydrated. Um, God sings for joy. God sings oh. in verse seven. Oh, you surround me with okay. glad. That's God who is singing the glad cries of deliverance there to, to oh, him. Oh, well, that that um, fits well with uh, Luke fifteen, actually. That's exactly. I think that's why the Luke fifteen mm-hmm. section. I mean, that's why this one comes today. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who's talking in verse eight. I don't know who I is. Um, hmm. I, I because Selah tends to me a break. Um, so in verse seven, God is the hiding place. You are my hiding place. You preserve me. You surround me. And then I will instruct you. Is that God speaking? I will instruct you. That is the root for Torah. Huh. Teach you the way to go. Counsel with my yeah, eye. That's how I've always heard that. I mean, Don't that's how like I've always read that. Yeah. I would think it is. I but there's but it's there's no obvious. And then we jump right into many are the torments of the wicked, but steadfast love surrounds those who trust in the Lord. Hmm. So I mean, maybe this is direct speech of God, or maybe this is the psalmist who is now because he has learned this teaching others. Um, hmm. I don't. I don't know. I I, I don't know that. We can know for sure, okay. um, but uh, I think either way works. All right. Um, hmm. But uh, anyway, oh, I've always um, heard that as as a direct speech as from God's God. speaking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, and it makes sense certainly, but I, I don't get. I, I don't see that it's necessarily mm-hmm. that. Yeah. I think it could be the okay. psalmist who has finally gotten himself right, yeah. who now is instructing others. Yes. Um, as David, as David is wont to do, right. immediately, <laughs> immediately after, <laughs> yes, confessing. Yes, <laughs> I think I've talked do- <laughs> talked about my friend who would immediately, frequently within the span of you know ten minutes, teach me what I had just taught him. Right, <laughs> not being aware of it, it's just hilarious. Right, it's just in his nature. Maybe that's how he thought, how he learned, or something. But. Uh, but it is it's interesting that this psalm of confession moves right into rejoice in the Lord always in in psalm 33. You know um, me I'm a I'm a canonical okay. guy so mm-hmm. I like I like the story of the psalms as it unfolds and it is interesting be glad and rejoice you know sh- shout for joy and then it's rejoice in the Lord always is the next psalm it really makes a nice transition okay. as it goes into it. Uh-huh. All right. So. Well, I need to take this to heart because I am sometimes like a horse, as you know from. Uh, oh, yeah, this is true. I have a horse uh, head mask, and uh, you have several horse head masks. Sometimes, large, small, sometimes menace people. That's yeah. true. I have them on different scales. Uh, because... That's right. I had a. <laughs> that's right. I had a horse head. And I have a horse puppet, and I have a horse businessman. With yes, you a do. Spring head. 
And, I just and, thought about the chapel that we did. Yes, oh. and you actually also have a sock monkey, which is currently wearing the oh, horse head. Oh, it's wearing a horse head. That's right. That's the intermediate-sized horse head. That's right. I, I'm not in my office enough to realize that. Yeah, that it is, that's very intertextual. I <laughs> yes, that's the word I was looking for was intertextual. Have we ever yes. talked about that panel we did in, <laughs> in chapel? Not on the, not on the podcast, oh no. Oh, my gosh. Please, feel free. thought about that the other day because it came up somewhere and we were we had a series uh it was called something well maybe it, it kind of evolved into a title was uh professors, professors unleashed, unleashed or something yeah. like that and and pretty much it we had a chapel it kept having bigger and bigger venues we had a chapel yes. in a lounge and it was like right. four or five of us and and uh it was really, it's kind of the dynamic why we have a podcast is that podcast. We, we are always in your office talking or we're always somewhere yes. talking and students are very interested in what we're talking about. And um, so we made, someone asked us to do a chapel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they, he was very interested in our conversations and it was not scripted. I think they no. maybe brought a few questions um, and then it evolved into, uh, we went into the theater. The theater. Yeah. Mm-hmm. We did a couple of those, I think. Yeah, and then there was a chapel one, and that was mm-hmm. uh, uh, moderated by Ian Simpkins. And um, yes, and I forget how many there were. We were on stools on stage, and I was on one end. And yeah, I was next to you. I think. Were you? I, th- yeah, I, was, I think I was thinking you were at the this. other end, and I was thinking, well, you know, we'll see who uh, who starts this off. <laughs> and uh, there's a lot of expectation, and and everyone looked at me because I yes. we'd introduced ourselves, and and I'd said, oh, good, I don't have to start things off, and I'd pass the. Uh, I was the first one to introduce myself and pass the microphone down, but then I so I thought it would start at your end, but everyone went back to the beginning. So right, happened to have a horse head puppet. You just happened to have a horse head puppet on you, as one does. And yes. I said, "Well, let me uh, let me try to set the tone for things," and then I pull out this puppet <laughs> and start talking to him. the puppet. wasn't talking. The puppet would whisper in my ear, and I'd have this little conversation with him. Correct. And and then and then it, it turned out that he was. Uh, He's a, the punchline was he's a little horse, but I forget what it was. He's something like why he wasn't talking. Yeah. If people don't understand, this was what life was like with you. You know, you just never knew. You never knew. It was really hard to get that, that, uh, that puppet in my, uh, I was wearing a sport coat and uh, it's really hard to get that in my pocket. So people couldn't see it. That's one of the reasons I sat on the end. It's like, so everyone else on the panel wouldn't see that. Yes, yes. <laughs> you know, so what prepared you to work with your colleagues in the PhD program? Actually, it was my background in improvisational comedy that, that actually helped me the most. So Keep it interesting. Oh, that oh, was a big man. venue. That was, I don't know, how that, many, was huge. that can hold yeah. like 400 people or something. Yeah, and, we're, and, you're, and that's, what you, that's how you started this. That is absolutely It actually how you became this. pretty good, pretty good discussion. Oh, uh, sometimes when I've, it's a, just, you know, off the rails absurd, then I make a point to, to really get into some, some meat and some, you know, <laughs> some content later, you know, well, I, I think I shared with you. I don't think I share this podcast. I have a, I had a friend at shorter, um, who actually, he died just a few years ago from pancreatic cancer, but, uh, he taught ethics and theology. And so, uh, one day he brought his, um, uh, which po- it was the, uh, Hold on a minute. I'm a uh, Carl Bart puppet that he oh, brought. Uh-huh. And uh and he would ask the students to ask Carl Bart a question. <laughs> and so the students would ask Carl Bart a question and then Carl Bart would answer in German. <laughs> and then and then David would translate wow. for Carl Bart after wow. <laughs> after he did it. So <laughs> it was it was a pretty, that one was pretty meta. <laughs> that would actually keep people engaged, you know. <laughs> it did. It yeah. did. So, but you know, the things we do as professors to oh, try and make I, people care. You I know. know. It's I just, know. You dance, and I, monkey, well, dance for me. <laughs> we probably taught, you know, three quarters of our load was like freshmen, you know, a lot yeah. of surveys and you got to work hard to yeah. keep their attention in the morning, man. Oh man. I, I had this thing. I never brought it to class, but I was about to, because I had a, had a class that was just couldn't wake up. The Mr. Microphone things where you walk around. <laughs> I was going to walk around and interview people. I did have a talk show in one of my, in, in chapel six, I had to mm. invite students up and they'd be guests because they had a big desk and a couple of chairs up there. So, but oh, yeah, wow. you got to mix it up because, uh, this is a this is a very media saturated uh, it generation. It's like boy to keep their attention is pretty tough. 
it became a TED talk all of a sudden. Yeah, so. yeah. And mm-hmm. yeah, just jingling keys isn't going to do it for a whole no. minute, hour 15. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway. Yeah, so that's what uh, David, you know, man after God's that's own heart. That's what David was doing. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> Entertaining them. Yes. Ugh. Wow. All right. Deep dive. All right. Are you ready for say? Well, we, you know, people might care about our, our teaching ideas. I don't know. They might also like to know exactly how weird you are. That might actually help them out I will have to dig out, out well. a picture. I think there's a picture of me there a little is, talking the to the, the horse. Yeah. There's, yeah, there's, I, I know there's a picture. This is what came, that's what came out on Facebook. I'm, uh, I took the chapel speaker spot, even though there's like yes. six of us speaking. I said, deal with it, haters. And I had the, I had, uh, I had the little puppet and I was with Marsha and I was with, uh, uh, Daryl, I think. So anyway. Yeah, it's insane. But there's one where we're on the panel. I'm talking away <laughs> to the horse. <laughs> but but every, scripture says no, don't do that. Do not no, don't, be, don't be like the horse. Don't be like a horse. Okay. So you can talk to the horse and then use him as talk a bad to example. To the horse. Okay. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> talk to the horse. <laughs> Reading in Church is proud to partner with audible.com. For you, the listeners of this podcast, Audible is offering a free audiobook download with a free 30-day trial to give you the opportunity to check out their service. They have over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, MP3 player. Surely you can find something interesting in all of that. To download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash readinginchurch for your free audiobook. Go there today. Let's go to 2 Corinthians. How yes. about that? All right. Yes. Second Corinthians 5, 16 through 21. From now on, therefore, we regard no one from a human point of view. A lot of people are wondering if you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, regard no one from a human point of view. Even though we once knew Christ from a human point of view, we know him no longer that way. So if anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything's become new. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself. In Christ, God was right. There's uh-huh. no comma there, mm-hmm. but it's yep. in Christ, comma. Mm-hmm. It probably should be, right? God yeah. was reconciling the world to himself, yeah. not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. So we are ambassadors for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. For our sake, he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Yeah, there you go. I don't think it needs to be unpacked. That's uh, (laughs) just... That's pretty dense. Gospel stuff. Yeah, it is. It's probably... Most quotable verses of 2 Corinthians, probably. Pretty good. Yeah, this is... Yeah, there's a couple other places people quote from, but yeah, this is... uh, I've not read this in a while. I was noticing, uh, as we said, this the, many the the theme in many of these texts are, is reconciliation, and it's quite up front here. It is, it is a it's a theme that pe- some people suggest. I was reading um, Ralph Martin's commentary on Second Corinthians, and I noticed he also did the article on uh, uh, the center of Paul's theology in the mm-hmm. dic- dictionary of Paul and his letters, and he makes the case that reconciliation is that is the organizing principle for Paul's theology. Though he doesn't use that word that much. So it's uh it's not all that common, but it's quite quite prevalent here. Yeah. yeah here it is. Here's where it all is then. Yeah. Yeah. So reconciliation and and he draws um reconciliation is is a big thing. It's uh mm-hmm. it's it's he's talking about He's talking about the new creation or the new age that's broken in and and um certainly the Corinthians are eager to embrace that, even though there's a not yet that he's developing also in his argument here that they would think it's all now. And he said, it's not all now, and you need to live you know, carefully mm-hmm. uh, because it's not all now. But um, he does... He does draw from forensic language and, uh, you know, uh, cultic uh, worship language from the Old Testament, and prob- probably might be some echoes from some uh, Greek um, stuff they're mixing in. I didn't—it I, wasn't until after I read this—this this was last night, I couldn't sleep, so I was doing a little bit of reading. Um, after the fact, I think it was some, this morning sometime, I was realizing, oh, I bet there's a lot of—he's uh, playing with their language, too. I didn't go back and back and look at that, but— uh, reconciliation is this 
one way to look at this big change of the age and new reality and new creation uh, uh, that uh, God has changed everything and and it's a new a new status that we have because of that dramatic uh, um, just changing of the ages on that mm-hmm. scale. So he's uh, when he talks about that when he has this big sweeping picture, he draws from all kinds of different uh, language to talk about that something that's. Hard to talk about, really. Mm-hmm. It is, uh, and, and you draw upon um, all kinds of uh, fields to talk about that. Um, we this came up in uh, this class I'm teaching. I won't say what the subject is. <laughs> <laughs> Whoever had uh, 28 minutes for a Revelation reference, ah, now is we have ah, a winner. I'm sorry, ah, and it's not. And this has been days ago, right? This has been days yeah. ago, but. It's great when you have classes like this. It was a very enjoyable class because you get way into a topic like Revelation, and then and then you realize there's still people who are holding on to things. There are things they're mm-hmm. saying, yeah, but but this is literal, right? Or this yeah. is literal. I had several of those questions back to back, and one was about New Jerusalem, and right. the other was about uh, what was the other one about? I forget, but it was very interesting to see that in the, as, as hard as you can drive home that message that this is a symbolic, you know, visionary genre, like a dream, which isn't literal, as we know, there's parts that people are clinging to. Want to hold on to. Yeah. 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 And they're not, you're not conscious of that. You're not Mm -hmm. conscious of that until someone gets close to that and go, wait a minute, you know, that's a, that's a cherished, uh, uh, symbol. And Mm -hmm. I said, I'm not saying it's not real. I'm not saying mm-hmm. because symbols are very real. Yeah. This, this is a very real thing that that's being talked about. This new new reality. I mean, it's Revelation is talking about the same sort of thing, particularly at the end, the right. con, the consummation and the 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 fall of this age or Babylon mm-hmm. or you know however mm-hmm. they talk about it, and the um, the emergence of the the new age, the new reality, new creation, and and um. um it's so it's so big that you're grasping at language, you're piling up symbols mm-hmm. to talk about. I said it's like a love letter, you know. You you know what love is, but when you're writing that letter, and I was kidding them like that's what they're doing in the back of the class. I know what you're doing back there. You're right, you're right. grasping you're grasping for, you know, all kinds of metaphors and symbols. Not because yeah. it's not real, because it's bigger than that. And you mm-hmm. have to kind of um assemble something that, you know, points towards that, that reality. And so Paul's, Paul's often doing that. It was just really interesting when you see, when I was in that conversation to see the lights go on, both right. that, oh, I'm holding on to, I'm selectively holding on to things as literal, but there's something even bigger and greater than that, you know, right. and, and I can still cherish that uh, symbol and I can use that as a way to experience that transcendent reality, you know, like a, mm-hmm. like some tradition would use an icon or, a, or something mm-hmm. to meditate on. Um, it points toward God, but it's not, it's not the reality. The reality is even greater. And, I, and so Paul's was, really grasping at language to talk about this. Yeah. I was going to try, uh, I mean, you get to some of those same issues. I mean, whenever I taught Ezekiel, mm-hmm. I would say, you know, this is exactly what John is doing in Revelation. Uh-huh. Um, but where Ezekiel, for him to express this, it's, this notion is it's temple. It's, it's, yeah. you know, this perfect temple and, and the waters flowing out of it bring healing. I mean, for him, it was temple. And then in John, I always said in John, it was city, but now you've helped me understand in John, it's also temple. It's just, it's a lot bigger than you yeah, thought. Yeah. The mm-hmm. city is the Holy of Holies right. and the rest of creation is temple, right. um, which is in some ways what Ezekiel was doing. But my point is they're saying the same thing, mm-hmm. but they're using two different symbols to get at that, yeah. uh, in that same, in that, to give that same message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the thing that kicked off the conversation the last night. Oh, I said, yeah. I, don't, I don't think there's literally going to be a 1,500-mile-tall <laughs> cube that makes the Earth spin like a spirograph, you know. <laughs> <laughs> or, or as the church down the street, because we started with this creed, this church just split off. That was making a very definite point that it's not a cube, it's a pyramid. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> Which gosh. doesn't make any sense in terms of shape, you know, temple shape, but... no. No, <laughs> but it's very, it's a very literal thing for this, uh, this final creed that we read when we talk about how eschatology just gets out of control. Yeah. This one church had, you know, uh, it had 3000 words on eschatology, whereas 
we start with the the Apostles' Creed, and it just says, "And Christ will, you know, will come again." You know, right, right. Um, but they were down to the point of uh, the shape of the New Jerusalem, as opposed to other churches. <laughs> it's just amazing. Um, wow. Yeah, yeah. So it's just it's hard to talk about this new reality. You know, this yeah. new this new reality that's that's real, but you have to draw from all kinds of resources to and especially to talk about the fact that hard for Paul to talk about it to a group of people who want to believe that they are living it mm-hmm. in a way that he's like, well, yeah, you are, uh-huh. but <laughs> yeah. not the way yeah. you think you right. are. Right. Uh, and, and so that makes it even more difficult. To, yes. You know. Yes. And in second Corinthians, this is a much more prevalent that he's using, uh, one of the reasons he may be drawn upon reconciliation is that they need to be reconciled to him. Right. Yeah. To each other. Yeah. They, they, they need to reconcile with him as the apostle that planted that church. And if they were indeed reconciled with God in Paul's theology, that always works out in horizontal right. uh, reconciliation. Um, because you're reconciled uh, with God, of course you would be reconciled with other Christians, and mm-hmm. and uh, and not be uh, distancing yourself from one, you know, mm-hmm. one minister to chase after another. So there's uh, the congregation, and then there's uh, other ministers who are coming in who aren't reconciled with Paul either. So mm-hmm. it, it, it's interesting that he makes it overt here um, at the end. Uh, so we. Our ambassadors for Christ, since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ. Be reconciled to God. The second part of that, I mean, they know what he's saying. They're saying, and right. and by implication, and we need to me. work this out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. That's the part that's unspoken that they all would have heard that we're gonna miss. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Because he's already said that different ways. Right. Uh, and he's made that the how you work out reconciliation so clear in in this kind of letter and in, in his gospel in general they would hear that yeah and so we need to pause to to think about that so yeah that's a strong strong message it made me it made me think differently about um Luke 15 and and, and uh, or made me <clears throat> excuse me um it added to something. I've covered Luke 15 so many right. times, you know. Right. I made me realize that um, the Father, because... Do they, we want to wait? Do you want to go to Luke 15? I, I'm wondering if I'm going to remember it, but yeah, yeah. Okay, go, we, ahead. We, go no, ahead. Let's go there. Let's go there, and then I'll, I'll start with that. Okay, we'll start right, with that. let's open yeah, with that. Let's, yeah. let's okay. read it first. Okay. Now, all the tax collectors and sinners were coming near to listen to him, and the Pharisees and scribes were grumbling and saying, This fellow welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. A great ambiguity into them. And then he told them a parable, and then he told them another parable. And then we get to verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the property that will belong to me. So he divided his property between them. A few days later, the younger son gathered all that he had, and traveled to a distant country. There he squandered his property in dissolute living. When he had spent Yikes. everything, a severe famine took place in that country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country who sent him in the fields to feed pigs. What prouder vocation for a Jewish mm-hmm. boy. Mm-hmm. He would gladly have filled himself with the pods the pigs were eating, but no one gave, anything to, gave him anything. But when he came to himself, so he's not a bad guy, he said... <laughs> How many of my father's hired hands have bread enough to spare, but I am here I am dying of hunger. I will get up, go to my father. I will say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me like one of your hired hands. So he set off and went to his father. But while he was still far off, his father saw, he, saw him, was filled with compassion. He ran, put his arms around him and kissed him. Then his son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and before you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly, bring out a robe. The best one, put it on him and put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet to get get the fatted calf, kill it, and let us eat and celebrate. For the son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found, and they began to celebrate. Now the, his elder son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. He called one of the slaves and asked what was going on. He replied, your brother has come, and the father's killed the fatted calf because he got him back safe and sound. Then he became angry and refused to go in. His father came out and began to plead with him. 
But he answered his father, listen, for all these years, I've been working like a slave for you. I've never disobeyed your commands, yet you have never given me even a young goat so I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came back, not my brother, but mm-hmm. this son of yours mm-hmm. came back, who's devoured your property with prostitutes, which is new information, yeah. uh, yeah. you killed the fatted calf for him. Then the father said to him, son, you are always with me and all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and has come to life. He was lost and has been found. Yeah. You know, you could jump to this. I'm going to start from the, the end and move our way back since we have okay. covered this, or I always got into this when we covered la- the other year when we covered the first two parables, which right. are set up with exactly the same structure. And this is a right. little, this is more, this is complicated. This is the punchline. Right. This is the, the third of the rule of three. It's interesting. You think about what Paul's, the implications of reconciliation uh, is that I try to make the point how alienated this son is from his father. Um, and how both of them are really this. It's not a model of repentance uh, right. for the younger. Right. The fact that he's saying this son of yours. Okay, yeah. the fact that he's not reconciled with his brother means he's not. He's alienated from his father. Okay, mm-hmm. in, in a family. That's a that's in Paul's thinking. Paul's reading of the you know the parable of the prodigal. Of the prodigal son. It's like you yeah. can yeah you can't possibly be uh, a good serving your father you know in a, mm-hmm. some sort of way if you're alienated with your brother you know you can't do that that's not what reconciliation is so um, really that's a really good point that's it, it I never really thought about that but you know the, that's the that's the wonderful thing about thematic readings of the of the lectionary that. That bring mm-hmm. that out. That's true. Because That's I true. would have to do a lot of work to get there, you know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If I'm just working through the parable, but uh, yeah, you're right. From Paul, Paul, you go, of course not. This guy. What's wrong with this guy? What's wrong with his elder son? You yeah. know. Let alone he's using. Um, he doesn't even understand that he's not serving his father well. Right. Right. You know. He yeah. thinks he's still serving yeah. his father yeah. well. He does. He doesn't even get that. Right, right, and I don't want to lift up servant language because that's actually uh, that's actually misguided because the the younger son we often say he's he's a, what a great example of repentance you know he's at he's he's at the bottom and he comes to himself and and as though this is a, some sort of model of repentance it's it's really not it's it's like I know I can uh, I can go back and be a second class citizen I'll be a, a servant yeah. and he has that. He has that script in his head because he's rehearsed it, and that's exactly mm-hmm. the point at which the father's actions interrupts e- him, eclipse his plan. Uh, so that's a problematic language, and mm-hmm. that language is also on the lips of the uh, the elder son, who's there uh, physically, but he is as alienated as his uh, younger brother. I- I'm curious. Verse 22, the father, when he interrupts that prepared speech, right? The son doesn't get to go through his reverse uh-huh. speech. Yeah. The father said to his slaves. Um, is the quickly referring to the slaves? I mean, and there's no punctuation in in Greek. I'm wondering if he said to them quickly, and that was an, as it was like an interruption. I, I don't know. I think it re- the, it refers to the pig smell. Uh, as, <laughs> you know what? And maybe I'm not going to talk to him much the master, longer. A different robe, and maybe a bath. <laughs> maybe a bath. I was just curious if that was pivoting on a different word there. But anyway, not important. Well, it is. Uh... I, I, it's a, I don't know. It's a, uh, he's interrupting though. I mean, yeah, that's, yeah. that's significant. He's interrupting he it because we know, we know the script. He know the speech and he doesn't get to do the speech. No. Yeah. And the actions of the fathers say the opposite. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, I always try to drive it home and say, what a great, what a great example of the gospel. You know, you can't ever blow it so bad that, that you can't come back and be a second class Member of God's household and serve him like a slave. <laughs> Which is absolutely not the point. Absolutely not the point. But we make it that point, you know? It's like, it's, I don't know. We shouldn't look to this, uh, we shouldn't look to the son as the example. But, you know, it's, but we're kind of set up to think about it as, as a, something about repentance because the first two use the word repentance. The first two parables use the word repentance, even though, you know, a lamb doesn't repent. Neither the lamb nor the coin, the coin. repented for yeah. getting lost. What, what great examples of <laughs> repentance. Yes. So it's it's really about uh, what we touched on in, uh, in the psalm is that um, there's rejoicing in heaven. Uh, that means God rejoices, or yeah. there's rejoicing in the presence of God's angels, which means God, you know, again, it's yeah. a... Uh, circumlocution to talk about God and and really if we're careful we realize oh those first two those first two uh, parables are about how God rejoices to be yeah. reconciled to people 
and uh and and it's never about about like the nature of repentance or the 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 change and the focus is on the uh, the individual but it's this paradoxical uh, outrageous father who's mm-hmm. uh who basically is taking shame upon himself. I was about to say, willing to endure shame yes, for restoration. Yes. yes, enduring shame of uh, distributing his property to his son, who both sons, you know, mm-hmm. it, it, the younger, the older son says, you never gave me anything. It's like, well, actually, if we go back, yeah. <laughs> back up a few verses, I gave, I divided my inheritance to both of you. Uh, mm-hmm. And um, and he endures that, and that's probably uh, we had a question this week on our yeah. on uh, to read our it? page. Yeah, yeah. Um, do you all think the imagery of the father running to embrace the prodigal son is influenced by the story of Esau running to embrace Jacob when the latter returns from Padam Aram? That is from Jason. Thank you, Jason. Yeah. Well, I don't know enough about that story to say how this that might fold in here. I don't think I think I answered him briefly online. I said I don't know that that's a controlling image that's seen mm-hmm. for this because it's one of the repeated things the father does to uh that would be thought of as humiliating and taking shame upon himself uh, in, right. his, in his act of reconciling his sons. It might be that he had also the son had alienated the entire uh, village, and the, maybe the father had to get there first. So uh, maybe maybe r- running the gauntlet, but uh, it is but, about you know, running. Adult men don't run. They don't run. No, they don't. No, run. you can't run. I mean, that's if you have to run, you're going to have to gird up your loins. Which yeah, is what, you know, pull pull your dress up and go. Yeah, you're not going to do either of those in in public. And no, if you're and if, children can run and uh, women can run, but you can't have men running. No, that's it's not, it's not dignified. So exactly, yeah. that, that was something a friend of mine who's a um, who works in Jordan said that. Uh, that was one of the challenges the American military had when they would offer training to the Jordanian military oh, was part oh. of the workout regimen was running. Still a thing. Is and it? it's still a thing. I didn't know that. It is still a thing. He said that it's hard to get over that huh. training huh. about, you know, it's this. No, this is important. We need to do this. So, wow. Um, and it, that uh, and, and what's funny is that running is that thing that for human beings is the, the actual thing that allowed us to survive so well is that we can run long distances run and a long time wear out someone joked that we are the zombies of the animal world because we are relentless and they tire. And so that yeah. lets us catch the mammoth and mm-hmm. <laughs> kill the mammoth because, yeah. you know, they can, I, they might run faster that, in the I short did, term. I didn't know that until a few years ago that you could, you could, you know, you could exhaust a horse by running after it. They, right. they can run faster, but not for long. Right. You know? And that we, we are the zombies of the animal world. We, we can't be stopped. <laughs> hey, hey, horse. Hey, horse. Hey, horse. Hey, mammoth. Hey, mammoth. <laughs> I give up. I give up. Yeah. yeah. But running, running is not dignified. Running is not something. And so here this father takes on shame yeah. of at the beginning and the end of the story. Yeah. yeah. And in both throughout, cases, throughout, yeah. in both cases comes out to meet the, the both the elder son mm-hmm. and the younger son. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Just, and both of them would be shaming to leave, to have to leave yeah. the feast where he's the host um, would, would be a shameful thing also. So both, both, uh, both sons are alienated. Both sons are shaming the father. Uh, both sons have a, a, a slavish or a, a servant, a negative sort of servant mm-hmm. mentality. They're both alienated. Neither of them are a good example. It's the, it's always on, on the father. And I think I probably shared this, um, last time we talked about this, but someone said, you know, I always, ta- I always teach this because I say it's such a great, it's such a great example of the gospel. Right. And, uh, if you say Paul, you know, reconciliation is the heart of the Paul's message. That's certainly the heart of, um, uh, the Gospels and the New Testament, I think, and and uh, it's so revelatory about the nature of God's uh, offer of forgiveness, how he how he reconciles, and so I teach it as a gospel in a, in a nutshell. And someone raised their hand and said, "If this is the gospel, where's the cross?" You know, yeah, and that yeah. gives me an opportunity to say, "The right. cross is an instrument of shame, not an yep. instrument of torture, uh, primarily." And uh, that the fact that we don't get that is to our own loss, um, that we don't realize that, that that is, I think we'd see it more as an instrument of salvation if we understood Instead it as, shame. as, as right. shame, that that God is in Christ, as Paul says, reconciling the world to himself, willingly taking the shame upon mm-hmm. himself. And mm-hmm. what's helpful is to talk to people in Eastern cultures or missionaries who've served there and realize that 
we bring these uh, forensic and legal language that of all the the spectrum of of metaphors used to talk about salvation, that one from you know Reformation time, mm-hmm. uh, Luther and uh, those have kind of eclipsed all the other uh, symbols yeah. and in images, but but those don't have any traction in the in the mm-hmm. Eastern and and really two thirds world. Uh, shame is the thing like there is no answer for shame. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish there were mm-hmm. an answer for shame, but if you preach about the cross as as um, God taking the, our shame upon Himself. It's like that is radical. That is yeah. transformative message for most yeah. of our world. You know, so, absolutely. Yeah, and the, the older, as I, I as I mentioned, from I think I probably mentioned that a, a student. Uh, all of these uh, kind of they're a little bit. This one ends open ended. Mm-hmm. Uh, we don't know because it. It's it, nicely the electionary has told us he's telling this to Pharisees, and so Jesus intentionally leaves it open. They're not eating with people, so they're not reconciled with them. Jesus is mm. eating because he's showing that God's reconciled with people. And that's why you kill the fatted calf because you'll feed the whole village, and then everyone who comes to eat has to be reconciled. And that's mm-hmm. why the the son's not going to go in and eat because I'm not going to be reconciled with them. So leaving so it open three. and turning it to the Pharisees is saying. Kind of, they're feeling the weight of like, oh, what do I do? You know. So, verse three, what's the antecedent for them? Because um, there's there's tax collectors and sinners. It's and the Pharisees. Pharisees and it's the Pharisees. Yeah, the Pharisees okay. are 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 kind of introduced first as the main focus. The Pharisees and the scribes were grumbling, saying, "This fellow eats." You know, it's their language that's being quoted. So, um, yeah, the Pharisees are the ones who are alienated from everything going on here. You know. And I sometimes I ask people, say, count how many uh, meals there are, because it's all about, you know, it's all about meals and Luke. It's all about eating and it's Luke. It's all about e- eating meals and who's eating and who's not eating. And I think there's a there's a joke in the middle when the pigs are eating and yeah. and the son would want to eat. And and it's, let me go back and look at it. I think uh, he would gladly have filled himself with the pods that the pigs were eating. Now, that's masculine. And no one gave him anything. Now, you could interpret that as the pigs, you know, aren't <laughs> yeah, giving him anything, right. because they're both masculine. And in which case, that might be another little shot for the Pharisees. The like, wouldn't let's even see, share. let's see who's not eating, who's not sharing food with other people in this scenario. All right. Wait. So, are the Pharisees the pigs in this context? Well, wow. a, it could be there because every every uh, parable has a little bit of like, hey, what, which one of you Pharisees being a shepherd? Okay, it's like, what yeah. do you mean? That's insulting. Which one That's of you Pharisees being a woman? Like, right. These aren't right. things that they enjoy. There's a little bit of uh, you know knife twisting. And so there's even these in the pigs telling of the that wouldn't eat with yeah, this poor kid. Yeah. And even the pigs wouldn't share. <laughs> well, could you ever know anybody who wouldn't share food with yeah, people? Man. Anyone? What a pig. Yeah. Selfish. Like, like pigs. <laughs> I don't know. I think there's something there. I, I No, I've I never seen right. anyone comment on that. But as important as eating and not eating is uh, throughout Luke. And then, and then there's just like, it's really intensified here. I think there's something going on there. Mm-hmm. I think Jesus is like this. This is a very so ra- the, the ra- antecedent for no one is pig, and the implication are that the people who aren't eating are in fact uh, the context is that there's food. only one group that's not sharing food. Yeah, well, you you make a compelling <laughs> argument, sir. <laughs> yeah, I'm willing to believe that. That's I, I could you know. I could imagine if you'd hung out with Jesus like the apostles, you'd be a little chortle, holding back yeah. a snicker at this point. Yeah. yeah. It's pretty, pretty funny. That's great. Yeah. Serious, serious shade being thrown there. This is great stuff. Yeah. It's great. I, I mean, this is, this is a masterful favorite. It's my favorite. I mean, yeah. it's, it, it is that whole chap, this whole chapter mm-hmm. is my favorite. I love it. I just mm-hmm. love it. Um, <laughs> Just sound like Elf. This is my favorite. It's my new favorite. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I do. This was actually the first sermon that I preached at the first church when I was after I sort of had stopped standing at the burning bush and arguing with God about this possible calling of mm-hmm. preaching. You know, mm-hmm. and the, I, no, no, I'm going to be a professor. God, I'm not going to preach. That's the one thing we agreed on. I thought, yeah. and uh, and so finally, after three years of okay, okay, fine, I'll preach this church asked me to come and preach. And so for some reason I was drawn to this. And for some reason I saw that rule of three for the first time. Mm-hmm. And, and it, I, I've preached, my mom joked when I, when I came to McLean 
um my mom i said yeah i've got to go preach a trial sermon she says you pulling out the prodigal son because it's just like <laughs> that that for the for her and for for cindy both that's, that's like my one of my home run swings that's mm-hmm. the one they they love is that sermon and yeah. uh, uh so i i have a i have a very very you know tender feelings toward this text and so i was excited to see it coming up in the lectionary to have a chance to preach it well, it, you know, a parable can just generate so much meaning, and then this is so masterfully putting three parables together. Yes, and it and it just works so amazing in its context, and it's open ended, and it's like, yeah. oh my goodness, it's it it, it reminds it, me very much, and, and and probably because it's the same exact message of the story of Jonah. Mm-hmm. I always connect Jonah to the older brother because it's the uh-huh. same issue, yeah. and um. That that open endedness, even you know mm-hmm. this yeah. this radical uh, willing to take on shame kind of grace of God in sparing the Ninevites, mm-hmm. and and on top of that, making Jonah look bad. On top of that, making yeah. him a false prophet because what he said mm. isn't going to happen now. Mm. And then you know God can be back and goes, God, gosh, if you can't care about the people, could you at least care about the cows? Yeah, and and yeah. then we don't even. That's the last word in the whole book. Yeah. Is you know, yeah. if you don't care about the people, maybe you could be happy the cows didn't die. Are you happy the cows didn't die? So <laughs> that is pretty good. And then that's the end of the story. You know, and it just it, there's so much in that book that's so funny. But it just reminds me that you know Jonah's attitude and the older brother's attitude of you know he's not worth it. Yeah. I've been working hard here, even yeah. though I decided to become a sailor instead of a prophet. Uh, you know? Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a it's a same story for me. Wow. Is, is this one? No, it's it's my favorite chapter in Luke, and wow, and, that says a lot. And and it's you know it's masterful. It's masterful. I think I told you a story about Karen, uh, my wife's mentor. He taught at DePaul. He was a he's a taught in the English department, and she was doing a, a, a her master's in in writing, and um and penmanship and yeah. no. <laughs> sure no. spelling yeah yeah so she's a poet and he's a poet and he's well known um um and he, he was very helpful for her and and really took took her under his wing and and uh he had also had a conversion experience since beginning teaching there mm. and so he asked to start teaching the bible as lit class mm. And, uh, which was a revelation to him, you know, and he taught that just before one of her night classes. And so I, you know, as a, as a Lucan sort of, you know, at the center of my expertise, I always talk about Luke and always go on and on about Luke and how he's such a great writer. You know, you come to the dinner table from writing something and Mm -hmm. it's like, they're going to hear about it. Right. So they're, they're sick of hearing it. And, and, uh, uh, she came home one night and said, Richard, you know, Richard is teaching the, the Bible as lit class and he's going through Luke and he came in and, uh, and I always point to this. I say, Luke is making a claim to be world-class literature on his, his very highfalutin, uh, right. prologue. Uh, um, and he's writing in a way that, that said, this is worthy of your attention. Okay. Right. Right. And it's, and I would always say, if you look at it, he's right. And it's, it's, he's a world-class mm-hmm. writer. And in all of uh, world literature, you could put him on par with anyone. And and so Richard comes into this class, and he's talking about Luke for the first 10 or 15 <laughs> minutes. He's talking about uh, what a great writer Luke was. And I think he had covered a little bit of Luke 15. He's just blown yeah. away. He's yeah. saying, this is some of the best stuff I've ever read. And I teach the world lit stuff, too. And and and, and so Karen goes, so Richard sounded like you. And so, <laughs> so you know, you don't get too many, you know, lobs across the plate like that. You got to right. hit that one. I got to just pause for effect. I go, you are so lucky to have a mentor. Like, Richard sounds like a very wise person. <laughs> Get a milk it for all it's worth, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah. That is great. All right. Well, I hope that you have found something on our journey this week, since we're technically on the journey with mm-hmm. these road, these, these uh, Lucan passages, right? Yeah, literally. So hope that uh, you have gleaned something. Hope that you have a great week. Uh, remember to follow us on Twitter and like us on Facebook and Hopefully we answered Jason's question, and hopefully we can answer yours as well. So hope that you will yeah, send uh, us a question. Uh, respond to that. And if you haven't, uh, leave us a review on iTunes. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're always happy that, and glad for the the continued listeners, especially when we have bad weeks. Uh, glad, <laughs> glad. That you know, you keep I, I edited last week, and it's like it wasn't that bad. What no, was... the week before. The week before was pretty rough. Oh, last well, week's was, was okay. It? Oh. it was the week before. Oh, yeah. I thought it was. Uh, hmm. eh, I don't remember. 
I don't remember any of them being bad when I edit them. I, sometimes yeah. I leave our, you know, little it's, conversation. I think, well, there's nothing there. <laughs> it's the one I. It's the one I said that uh, this is not going in our best of. I had. Uh, I. I will. Lit- I'm not. I'm not lying. I literally had three people come to me and go, uh, "You were right about that podcast, man." <laughs> <laughs> that one was. That one was a slog. I included That's that in the like, bumper that it wasn't going to be you one. Did. <laughs> That was you the only did. good, the only salvageable that part. That was the best, the best part of that whole podcast. <laughs> oh man, that was something. Well, I think we did better this week, but uh, we, you know, hey, you can only hopefully. do so much with the material you're given. So that's right. That's right. <laughs> by that, I mean the podcast. I mean the podcast hosts in that context. Yes, so. that's right. Uh, we don't. Yeah. Well, do work with what we got. Have a great week. Have a great week. Uh, Stay in school. Don't vape. Okay. Yeah. Right. Little good wis- advice. wisdom. Always right. good advice. Okay. Blessings.